in chapter 9, verse 9, which talks about God's glory, God's presence, and God's desire to be with his people and to show them his love. And Jesus had to make that journey into Jerusalem as people were shouting at him, save us, deliver us. It's not a lot of pressure, is it, really? <laughs> Do you walk down the street and people shout at you, save us, save us, Angelina, deliver us. <laughs> you oh, no, not me. <laughs> you know, that'd be quite good. Well, no. It's either a bad thing or a good thing. It's almost like the pressure that people have at the at the football with Derby's playing and you're shouting to the ref, put your glasses on ref because we're not getting the result we need. We're not in the playoffs. You're a goal behind and you want to get the playoffs and you're shouting, come on, you can do it team, you can score the goal, you can take us through. There's no pressure on the players as they're at all really. No? So we can experience the pressure that Jesus had as he marched into that city as people saw him as the, the prophetic answer to their prayers, the one who would deliver them. But he went to deliver them on the cross. Because in the end, when it's God's prophetic word, it's God that delivers, isn't it? It's God's plan. It's God's purpose. It's God's wisdom. It's not ours. When God prophesies over us as a church or individuals, we think about in our minds how God should do that. <laughs> But God had his own plans, his own ways. And he came and he delivered his people. He set them free. But upon Jesus going to the cross and dying for the sins of the world and the whole sins of the world placed upon Jesus. As he went through that dark challenge, that valley of the shadow of death, he feared no evil because he knew that the Lord was with them. And he walked and he took that journey and he defeated sin and death and set us free from river so that the glory and the power of God could dwell within us and upon us. That what didn't happen for Israel, what didn't happen to Jerusalem, happened on the cross, happened at Pentecost, that we have experienced the fullness of God come in Jesus Christ. And now we live in the fullness and the presence of God in every moment, every second of our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we go to Ezra, and this is all linked together. Ezra is a foretaste of, of Jesus, of what happened in Jesus. Ezra thought was going to happen in Jerusalem when he led the people from Babylon, from captivity, back to Jerusalem. And um, we read from um, Ezra chapter 8, and it's um, verses 21 he said, there by the Hahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road 
because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Isn't that amazing? Here's Ezra. He's a priest. He's a servant of God. He knows the law of God by heart. And he's sent from Babylon to Jerusalem to teach the people of law, to lead basically a revival. (laughs) He's gone there because the people had already been sent back by King Cyrus about 50 years before Ezra. And they were sent back to Babylon because a prophetic word from Jeremiah says, it's amazing, a prophetic word from Jeremiah says that that God shall return his people to land in 70 years' time. So this this whole journey that Ezra is about to make is based on a prophetic word from Jeremiah. Jeremiah says that the Lord will return his people to land after 70 years. So King, so King Cyrus of Persia has sent Jerubbabel, difficult names in those days, back to Babylon. And he sent Jerubbabel with about 50,000 people um, to rebuild the temple of God, to rebuild Jerusalem, to bring it back to its glory, former glory so that God might be honored and God might be glorified because Cyrus had a vision from God that he should do this. Isn't that amazing? There was prophecy. <laughs> Jeremiah prophesied. Cyrus, who didn't even know God, had a vision to build this temple and to send the people back to Israel. And it happened. God made a way. Isn't that incredible? Sometimes we think, can God make a way in our lives? Of course he can. He can move the greatest man alive at that time, the most powerful man at that time, through a vision, through a dream, through interrupting his life, to send his people back to Jerusalem and to fulfill God's purpose and plan, to fulfill prophecy and make things happen. Because when God speaks, he makes it happen, doesn't he? Amen. And so the people, they went back there, and they were there for about 50, 60 years, and they were rebuilding the temple, they were rebuilding... um, um, Jerusalem, they came against opposition and challenges, and it was really, really difficult at times. But they managed it, and they rebuilt the temple, and they consecrated it. But then there was a sort of anticlimax. They had this great festival, and they celebrated, and they had sacrifices. And all the people who had lived in Babylon had never seen the old temple. They thought, wow, this is amazing. We've built this temple. We've made worship. We've made sacrifices. Isn't this great? We've fulfilled the prophecy. We've done what God wants us to do. But the elders who were there with those people at this feast, at this celebration, this consecration of the temple, they wept. They wept before God. And they wept because God's presence, God's glory, God's Shekinah was not there at the temple. They knew what it was like before to be at that temple when the glory and the power and the presence of God was upon that temple, when they felt the awesomeness and the power of who God was as they sacrificed that that place was holy, it was awesome, it was powerful. Even if you stepped into the altar, you would die 
because you were entering into the presence of God, but now it wasn't there. The presence of God wasn't there. And the elders wept and cried because the prophecy had not yet been fulfilled. And so 50, 60 years later, as the people sort of make their lives and sort of forgot about the presence of God, they say, oh, well, we've got a temple, we worship, we're sort of getting on with life, and it's, it's a good religion, you know, we're, we're sort of doing with what we think God wants to do. They sort of lose their way. They intermarry with different different people groups. They stop to sort of really worship properly God. They forget the laws. They forget what God's commanded them to do. And so 50, 60 years later, um, this king, Exterces of Syria, another king of Syria, sends Ezra. And he says, Ezra, I want you to go here because you're a priest and you know the laws of God. You know the commands of God. I want you to go there and teach these people the commands and the ways of God. I want you to teach them to honor God again, to glorify God, to take to take um, 2,000 people with you to reestablish a temple, its worship, so that people may experience and worship God as he should be worshipped and honored and praised. Amen. And so here's Ezra. He's standing there and said, I've got to go to Jerusalem and I've got to start a revival. These people have forgotten God. They worship God with their sacrifices and their religion, but their hearts no longer belong to God and they no longer go God's law or God's way. So I've got to go there and teach them God's commands. And so he's he stand there before the king the king's kingdom. Can you go and do this? Ezra said, of course I can. Our God's amazing. Our God's incredible. We stand that in revival, don't we? We say we want revival here because our God is mighty. Our God is incredible. Our God is wonderful. Our God can change lives. Our God can set captives free. Our God is powerful. Our God can give sight to the blind. Our God can heal. Our God can take away your burdens. Our God can set you free. Our God's presence can bring new life and new hope. That's why we want revival, isn't it? Because we want to see the glory and presence of God work amongst us. That we want, when we come into worship, that we're overwhelmed and overpowered by the glory of God as he touches our lives. And we know at the moment that's why we were created. That's why we're here, to be in his presence, to be in his glory, to worship him and to know him and love him. We declare that, don't we? We declare that and we believe it. And that's our faith, isn't it? And so Ezra, he's standing before the king and saying, Oh yeah, King Exerces, our, our God's amazing. Our God's incredible. Our God can provide for us. Our God can protect us. And you know what? Anybody who comes against our God will be destroyed. And he's excited and he's proclaiming he's a revivalist. He's saying, God can transform these people in Jerusalem. Send me I'm going to go there and I'm going to proclaim the law of God to them. I'm going to teach them what it is to obey God and to live for him and honor him. And so there he is. He's standing at the, he's got his his wish and he's standing there with 2,000, 2,000 men and probably around 5 million pounds of resources. <laughs> and he's got to go on a several weeks journey through a desert and difficult and challenging lands where there's bandits and robbers and people who will be quite happy to come and take the five million pounds off their hands and kill them and slay them before they even get back to Jerusalem. 
And as he stands there and said, oh, my goodness me, I've just proclaimed all these things to the king about how great our God is, that our God can protect us, that our God can defend us, that who comes against us, our God will destroy. I don't think I can ask, I don't think I can ask this king for an army, for protection, for soldiers. <laughs> I just can't do that. I just told him how great our God is. And here I'm in a position now, I've gone through the desert and I've got faith, but my feelings are telling me this is going to be a disaster. Who's ever been there that your faith is telling you this is going to be great and wonderful and what can God can do, but your feelings are telling you, oh my goodness me, what am I got myself in for? Where am I going? How do I get through this? How do I make this happen? How, God, how are we going to get from, from Babylon to Jerusalem with all this money, with these people? How are we going to fulfill your plan? How are we going to get that? I know you've prophesied that this should happen. I know the Lord that this is your will and this is your promise and I have faith in it, but God, my faith Feelings are telling me that something else is going to happen. <laughs> and I can tell you, many times in my life, I haven't lived by, if I hadn't lived by faith, but lived by my feelings, I wouldn't be standing here. I'd be lying on the floor somewhere going, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Because we're called to live by faith, aren't we? We're called to live in belief what God will do in God's promise. And God takes us a journey on our lives and he prophesies over us and he proclaims over us. And we go on the journey that God will take us. And that doesn't mean that journey won't be filled with danger, difficulty, or challenge. But it's God's journey, it's God's way, it's God's plan is to fulfill what God wants, what God has prophesied, and what God declares should be done. And our lives come under that commandment. Our lives come under God's will. Our lives come under God's purpose. We may not feel that way sometimes. <laughs> Your feelings might be telling you something else. Like, my life's under God. God's got prophetic words over my life. God's got direction for me. My feelings aren't telling me that. Actually, I feel awful. I feel a really bad Christian. I feel this week I've been really away from God. Oh, I feel this time, you know, my, my feelings are telling me this. Oh, my, my feelings are telling me I'm not worthy. My feelings are telling me, oh, oh, God, me, really? But what's your faith telling you? What does your faith tell you about your God? What does your faith tell you about what God can do? What does your faith tell you what God can do in difficult and challenging circumstances? And so Ezra, he's standing there and he's got these people and he has to lead them and he's leading them to revival. He said, we're going there to Jerusalem and God's going to set people free. We're going to see people fall in love with God. We're going to see people come back to God again. We're going to see a nation transformed and changed and upside, turned upside down by the law of God and the presence of God and the power of God. And that Shekinah, that glory that wasn't there for 50 years, is going to come back in that temple. We're going to see the glory of God come upon this place. And we're going to see the fulfillment of God, that God will bless Jerusalem. And Jerusalem will be a place without walls. It will be a place where God dwells and God will protect us. And God will be there. And God will honor us. 
And all nations will come and worship God. And while he's saying that, Zechariah and Haggai, they're they're prophesying. Yeah, this is what God's want. God's going to bless you. God's going to bring his presence. God's going to bring his glory. God's going to fulfill his plans. We have to have faith and believe in God. We have to go and fulfill that messianic promise. We have to go there and prepare the way for the Lord. And what God's going to do, that God's going to bring revival and blessing. And as he stands and he looks out at the desert, his feelings are going, oh, my goodness me, we're going to die. <laughs> we've got five million pounds here and people are going to come and they're going to rob us and they're going to take it away and they're going to kill us all and slay us all and what are we going to do? And so in faith, he stands up and says to the people, let's fast and pray. We know who our God is. We know that our God will protect us. We know that our God will honor us. We know we're not doing this out of our own will, our own purpose, our own plan. But this is God's plan. This is God's prophecy. This is God's will. This is God's direction. We're fulfilling what God wants us to do as a people. We're building God's kingdom. We're going there to go to Jerusalem that God might be glorified, that God might dwell there, that the nations might be blessed, that things might be transformed, that we'll see what we've always dreamed about, God's with us, God's presence, peace on earth, joy, love, hope. And as he reflects, he said, Do you know what? Those words I said to the king, they're true. That our God will protect us. That our God will lead us through. That our God will keep us safe. And he says to people, let's pray. Let's fast. And he calls all the people who are going to go with him. I'm sure all the Israelites in Babylon, he calls a three-day fast. And they go on their knees and they pray and they fast for three days and say, God, this is your mission. God, this is your prophetic word over us as a people. God, this is your plan. This is your purpose. God, we're seeking you to be with us, to honor us, to keep us safe, to take us to the direction that you want us to be in. God, we're seeking you that we might be the people you want us to be. God, we're seeking you that we'll be in the place that you want us to be in. God, that when you take us that place that you want us to be in, that the things that you want to happen will happen. Your glory will fall and blessing will come and revival will happen and people will know your laws and your ways and your commands. And they fast and they pray and they seek God for three days. And it tells us they started their journey and it very quickly tells us all was well. They arrived safe in Jerusalem. Why should we be any different? As Jesus walked into Jerusalem, he did that on the prophetic word of God. 
obeying, being obedient to his father's word who called him to walk to that city. As people proclaimed, Hosanna, save us. As they proclaimed him their king, he knew that he was going to his death. He knew he was going to the cross and what he had to achieve. He knew that he was doing God's plan and purpose and he was obedient to God and sought God and did God's will. And we have the blessing for what Jesus did today, haven't we? What has God said over us as a community? What are the prophetic words that God has said to us? That this will be a place where God's spirit flows powerfully. That we will see God's kingdom built here. That will be a center of revival and renewal in this place. And what's our feelings? <laughs> How do you feel about that? What do your feelings say to you? Oh, well, yeah. Look around. Have a look at the person next to you. See how you feel about that. (laughs) Now, have a look at that person again and look at them in faith. And what does faith tell you? What is faith telling you? What's faith telling you what you can be and what is faith telling you what the person beside you can be that they can do for God of how they can live for God? What is faith telling you? And what does it make it any different from Ezra that as he called the community to pray and fast to seek God? How should we be any different? Ezra recognized the situation and he recognized his feelings. He recognized that this was going to be dangerous and if it was going to be dangerous, he needed God with them. And if we as a community believe in the prophetic words that God has given over us, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. There's going to be hardships. There are going to be heartbreaks on the way. Amen. And we'll feel that. But our faith tells us there's a better way ahead. Faith tells us that God has a plan and a purpose. Faith tells us that God's going to break revival out. Faith tells us that people are going to be set free. Faith tells us that people are going to rejoice. Faith tells us that people are going to be healed. Faith tells us that we're going to be overflowing. Faith tells us that the spirit and glory of God is going to come upon this place and overfill us and power us and set us free and give us a joy to be in the presence of God that we will rejoice and not weep. Because when you've been in the presence of God and his glory has been upon you and you know what it's like to be have that glory of God upon your life and upon your worship and upon your church, When you come the following week, you want to weep. When you recognize he's not there in the same way. Or do you just feel, oh well, that's just the way it is. Or do we weep because we want the presence of God. We want revival. We want the glory of God. We want to grow. We want hope. We want desire. We want his presence. We want his glory. So what do we do? Are we hungry for it? Do we desire it? Ezra knew he had to get to Jerusalem and he knew it was going to be difficult and so he got on his knees and he prayed and he fasted and he sought God. For three days, the people together 
sought God. God, you have prophesied that this will happen. God, we proclaim this in faith. We believe it, but we're on our knees trusting that you will be with us, that you will fulfill your plans and purposes your way and the way that you desire that you will take us to the place of promise. And God is promising us today that he will take us to the place of promise. It may not be the journey that we want. (laughs) It may not be with the security that we desire. But God wants to take us on that journey of faith and deliverance. I remember um, we went to Brazil a couple of years ago. We met um, this chap called Eduardo, and he went to the Methodist Church in Belo Horizonte, and he's an Uber driver. And um, before he was an Uber driver, he worked for he worked for Coca Cola, and he had a very good job in Coca Cola, had good money, had a good role, very happy life, and then he was made redundant, and he lost everything. He could hardly pay his rent, get his pay for his food. The driving the Uber was bringing in very little money. And most of the time we would do it for free for people anyway because he was a nice guy. <laughs> he felt bad to take money off them. <laughs> and the way they were surviving was because his wife managed to get a job and she was getting health insurance and things like that, which made their life a little bit easy and a little bit bearable. But he had nothing compared to what he had when he worked in Coca-Cola. And you would think this guy, you would think he would be the most depressing chap you ever met in your life, wouldn't you? I've lost everything. I've lost my career. I've lost my job. I'm struggling. I can't provide for my family. The Uber driving I'm doing is not really providing much. It's about have a trust in God. I believe in God in all things. I trust in him for my provision. I trust in him for my blessing. My joy comes from him, not from anything else. And as he talked about all the blessings that God gave him, he said, yeah, I lost my job, but the blessings of God have been far greater. Wow, isn't that amazing? You know, I'm not talking about poverty like here in Britain. I'm talking about poverty in Brazil, which is real poverty. If you do not have money, you don't eat. If you do not have money, you do not have a home. If you don't have money, you don't have health care. You have nothing. There's no safety nets. So this is somebody on the, on the edge of having absolutely nothing, of being broken, of being homeless, of having potentially nothing. Yet he can stand there and say, the blessings of God upon my life are incredible because I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. I know that God has prophesied over my life and I know that he's taken me a direction of blessing and goodness and hope and that God will honor that. And I'll bring blessing into people's lives. And as he talked about his blessings, he would talk about his wife, and this is him driving his Uber car, and he'd start talking about, oh, God's been so good. How I met my wife, I saw her for the first time, and I knew straight away when I looked at her that I was going to marry her. And she's been the greatest blessing in my life. And he cried and he wept. That's all this guy does every time he talks. He cries, oh, God's so good. God's so wonderful. God's given me an amazing wife. And then he'd go and talk about, and then my kids. My kids are just incredible. They're just amazing. This is a guy who hasn't got money to eat. But he's going, my kids are such a blessing. I love my kids. My kids are wonderful. God's given me two beautiful daughters. I'm so blessed that God's given me this. 
And he'd cry again, talking about his daughters, how beautiful they are, how good they are, what God's done for them. And he's dreamed that he could send his daughters to university or he could do something to his daughters for education, that he could help them to make their lives better. But knowing that he can't, he can't do anything for them. He can just pray. He can just trust in God. Yet his desire to see his daughters become something and in prayer. And as he talks about what God had done in his life, how God had saved him and transformed him and, and known him, he wept more and talked about God. I just love God. And I'm just so pleased that I know him and love him and, and I desire him. And, and you know, I, I just want to do everything for God that I can possibly do. And his hunger and his desire is just for blessing for God. It doesn't matter where the journey is, where he's going, how difficult it is. He just prays. He fasts. He seeks God and he trusts God in it. And he says, God, I know that you're going to take me to the destination and purpose that you have for me. I know you're going to take me to that promised land. I know you're going to take me to that place where your glory is going to be upon my life. And he really wanted a blessing for his daughters. And, and one, of his, one of his daughters, you know, just um, came to him about six months ago. And she said, Dad, do you know what? I think I can sing. She said, really? They'd never really heard her sing before. She hadn't really sang very much or very often. And, um, and um, she said, yeah, Dad, I can think I can sing. And then she said, well, let us hear you sing then. And she started singing. She had this most beautiful, incredible voice that only God could give. And he prayed to God and said, God, I thank you for giving this gift to my daughter that she can sing. And he couldn't do about it, but he went there and he sought out people and he said, look, my daughter, she wants to sing for God. Can you help me? Can you bless me? Can you help me find a way to help her have a career in the, in the music industry that she might worship and praise God with this talent, with this gift and ability that she's given? And he found ways to do YouTube videos and record his daughter to get her out there. And she has the most incredible voice, the most beautiful wonderful voice and she's going to be an amazing worship leader a real blessing in the church and you know for him he could die tomorrow happy with that because he's seen god do something beautiful in his life something incredible in his life and he has nothing but he thanks god for that one thing that one thing in his life that his daughter can praise and sing and glorify God. And he can die a happy man because God has blessed him. I don't know what your feelings are today. I don't know if you want to give up. If you're tired. If you're upset. If you're angry. If you're hungry. I don't know where you are. I don't know where your faith is, your emotions are, where you are in your relationship with God. But it's time. It's time to trust in Him and believe in Him and the prophetic words that He's placed upon your life, the prophetic words that He's placed upon this church. It's time to move from feelings to faith. 
It's time to trust. It's time to seek him. It's time to get in fasting. It's time to get in praying. It's time to go on our knees and seek God and be hungry for him and say, God, you do your purpose. You do your will. You do your desire. God, we just want to serve you and honor you. We just want your presence. We just want your glory. Whatever else happens from that, we don't care. We want you and nothing else, God. So come and fill us and fill this place and do your purpose through us. Transform and change that the blessings of your water will flow from this place. And we've got a wonderful opportunity coming in May. We have a a team coming from Brazil on the 11th of May till the the 3rd of June. They just came out of the blue. So a couple of months ago, they told us, oh, by the way, we've been praying for you for a couple of years as a church, and we want to see revival break out in your church. We believe that God's going to bless you here in the UK, that God's going to do something for you through here, through you here in the UK. And they've been praying for Lucia and I for the past two years since we came here, that as we came here, revival would break out, that God's blessing would fall, that we would see amazing, incredible things happen. I think we've seen tasters of that, haven't we? And so they have managed to get, this is a very poor church in Brazil, and they've managed to get money together, and they're praying for free people to come over to spend three weeks with us. And they're actually, they're not, they're not coming up, they're coming during their holidays. <laughs> this is their holidays. So they're coming to spend their holidays with us, to bless us. And they're coming for three weeks to pray with us, to fast with us, to worship with us, to seek God, to help us increase our hunger for God, our desire for God, for more of God, to have, to move from that feeling of, oh my goodness me, will God do anything to the faith to believe that God is going to do everything? And we're going to be praying in the mornings. We're going to be praying in the evenings. We're going to be seeking God for three weeks. We're going to have four days of intensive prayer where we seek God. And we're going to lay our feelings behind. (laughs) And we're going to come in faith, believing and trusting what God will do in Jesus' name. Amen.